Welcome to Bugle Call Radio, the podcast all about swing. Hi, hi. Glad you're back on on my third episode of Bugle Call Radio, the podcast all about swing. Have you been very impatient waiting for this new episode? I hope it was still bearable. I want to apologize deeply for not hearing from you for so long. My last release was almost two months ago, I know, but I have to be honest, I was struggling with the circumstances surrounding the COVID-19 lockdown and restrictions. After being very productive throughout the first weeks, when I also started this podcast, reality caught up with me and I suffered a lot from not seeing my friends and my family Or seeing them very rarely only. I miss dancing, Lindy Hop, especially the social dances and the physical closeness to the people I'm usually surrounded by almost every day. But now I'm slowly getting back on track. Although still things are not what they used to be to anticipate the subject of today's episode. But yeah... As many others, I try to make the best out of it and my thoughts are with everybody who suffers from this whole situation in whatever way. But also, and most of the time, my thoughts in the last weeks have been with the Black Lives Matter movement. I support this movement from the bottom of my heart, not least because we are just able to enjoy the music I share with you in this podcast due to the hardship of generations of brilliant and extraordinary African-American musicians. Jazz, and therefore also swing music, is born of the African-American experience. I, we, those who are presenting, playing and enjoying this music are duty-bound to recognize its origins. We must choose to fight the oppression and violence against African-American people, against black people that has been on the agenda for hundreds of years now, that has been present during the swing era and is still present today. And we need to act now. Please, inform yourself where you can donate, inform your friends and family about the movement, about the injustice against black people and people of color and the role of the white supremacy in it. Sign petitions, join demonstrations, and in the very first place, don't just be not racist, but be anti-racist. And educate yourself about your own behavior and if it might be hurtful to people of color. Step in when you see injustice taking place. I am, of course, addressing my white listeners now, who, like myself, enjoy the benefits of having white skin every day, while people with dark skin are suffering from systematic racism their whole life, just because they have been born with the wrong skin color. Fight racism and never stop, even if the topic might be out of everyday's news soon. When you stay silent, you are automatically on the side of the oppressor. And every one of us can make an impact. 
I myself would like to give all of June 2020's donations via PayPal for my podcast to the NAACP Legal Defense and Educational Fund. This is America's premier legal organization fighting for racial justice. Through litigation, advocacy and public education, LDF seeks structural changes to expand democracy, eliminate disparities and achieve racial justice in a society that fulfills the promise of equality for all Americans. You can inform yourself under www.naacpldf.org. If you want to stay up to date about this podcast, subscribe to it on Spotify or on my homepage www.buglecallradio.wordpress.com And you can also follow me on Instagram and give me feedback. Or you can become a longtime supporter on Patreon under www.patreon.com slash radio. So I can keep my project alive. But now let's finally dive into the swing era with a very special song I chose for you in this episode. Enjoy! Things ain't what they used to be. Music, Mercer Ellington. Text, Ted Persons. What text? That was my first thought when I found out that somebody actually wrote lyrics for this song. I don't know, I have ever heard the lyrics before, at least I can't remember if I did. But that's also because in most recordings the vocals were actually left out. We'll listen to both versions today, but first a little bit about the origin of this song. You may have noticed that not Duke Ellington himself wrote the song, but his son Mercer did and Duke hired his son for a reason. Because in 1941 Duke Ellington had an engagement at the Casa Manana in Los Angeles, where he and the band held a nightly broadcast. But Duke was not allowed to air his own songs because he belonged to the ASCAP, which was in a dispute with various radio stations at that time. The ASCAP is the American Society of Composers, Authors and Publishers and was founded in 1914 for the collection of royalties for the broadcast or public performance of music. In March 1940, ASCAP proposed a new contract calling for a 100% increase in radio's rates over the previous year. The radio stations had already anticipated this increase and were not willing to pay that much more, which is why some of them countered by forming their own licensing organization called BMI, Broadcast Music Incorporated. So by the end of 1940, 650 broadcasters had signed up with BMI 
and only about 200 radio stations continued to use the ASCAP catalogue. So, due to the ASCAP boycott, Duke could not air his own compositions and so he turned to his son Mercer and arranger Billy Strayhorn, who both did not belong to the ASCAP, and they were given the order to put together a new songbook for the broadcast. No sooner said than done, Mercer Ellington and Billy Strayhorn then locked themselves in their shared hotel room, armed with a bottle of blackberry wine, and composed legendary songs like Johnny Come Lately, Take the A-Train, and Moon Mist alongside Things Ain't What They Used To Be. Hooray for blackberry wine! Bar Blues was first recorded in July 1941 in a small lineup under the name of Ellington's star saxophonist Johnny Hodges. It is the song we are listening to right now. The song was briefly known under the title Times a Wasted, and above all, it lives from the varied mood arrangement where parts or variations of the theme provide variety in the background while the soloists play. The relationship between Duke and Mercer Ellington was often not like that of father and son. Instead of encouraging and supporting his only child, Duke often thrust Mercer into manual roles, elbowing him from the limelight. Mercer Ellington studied music early on and made several attempts to lead his own band that were all ultimately unsuccessful but he always tried to escape his father's shadow and struck out on his own. For this Mercer was, among his many other jobs, working as a road manager for Cootie Williams Orchestra, as musical director for Della Reese, a jazz and blues singer and actress. He also was a record company executive and a disc jockey when he finally, in 1965, gave up trying to be independent and became Duke Ellington's road manager and trumpeter. But his father never gave him the chance to be a soloist. Rex Stewart, another of Duke Ellington's trumpet players, recalled being at a recording session in 1966 when Duke asked, where is the other trumpet player? He meant Mercer. Duke lived for his music, not for his family. In the nearly 30 recordings that exist of this song by Duke Ellington's band, there are a lot in which Duke uses the song to demonstrate his fingersnip lesson. He was a real entertainer who, in the course of his career, found more and more pleasure in introducing the musicians, explaining the songs or telling short stories. Quite the opposite to Count Basie, for example, who never liked to take on these tasks. Let's let Duke Ellington teach us how to snap our fingers right. Who knows, maybe we'll learn something new. 
This version here is a late one from Live at the Côte d'Azur in 1966. This is Things Ain't What They Used to Be. Johnny Hodges played it a while ago. We use it right now for the purpose of giving background to this finger-snapping bit. And we'd like to have you ladies and gentlemen all come along and join us and snap your fingers just like that. Ah, crazy. I see I don't have to tell you, one never snaps one's fingers on the beat. It's considered aggressive. Don't push it, just let it fall. And if you would like to be conservatively hip, then at the same time, tilt the left elbow. Establish a state of nonchalance. Abandon. And if you would like to be respectably cool, then tilt the left elbow on the beat and snap the finger on the afterbeat, thus. Then you really don't care. And so by routining one's finger snapping and choreographing one's earlobe tilting, one discovers that one can become as cool as one wishes to be. With that, we want to thank you, ladies and gentlemen, for the wonderful way you've inspired us throughout this evening and remind you that you are very beautiful, very sweet, very gracious, very generous, and we do love you madly. Thank you. Oh! That was the last song of the concert, although I would rather have expected such an interlude at the beginning of a gig, to make sure that the audience clapped on the right beat, and at the same time also look really cool while doing that. But since the audience were the visitors of a jazz festival, Duke probably already assumed some basic knowledge of jazz from them. The jazz festival for which Duke Ellington teamed up with Ella Fitzgerald was the Jazz à Juin that takes place every year at juin le pin in the south of France since 1960. The festival is known for its rich lineup, true to authentic jazz. Even the inventor of the famous Montreux Jazz Festival, Claude Nobs, once said that if he hadn't passed through there, Montreux wouldn't exist. The main reason for choosing the location of this event was the fact that Sidney Bechet, who greatly appreciated the region, spent the last years of his life there in the warm climate of the Côte d'Azur. And which other saxophonist was taught and strongly influenced by the legendary Sidney Bechet? Exactly, none other than Duke Ellington's lead saxophone player and our soloist on Things Ain't What They Used To Be, Johnny Hodges. This is how the cookie crumbles. Johnny Hodges learned to play the piano and the drums first until he took up the saxophone at the age of 13. When Hodges was 14, he went with his eldest sister to see Sidney Bechet play in Jimmy Cooper's Black and White Revue in a burlesque hall in Boston. Hodges' sister knew Bechet very well, so she introduced each other and Bechet asked Johnny to play something on the soprano saxophone he had brought with him. Hodges played My Honey's Love in Arms for Bechet, who was impressed with his skill and encouraged him to keep on playing. Howard Johnson, also an alto sax player, once recalled that Johnny Hodges was crazy about Sidney Bechet and that was where much of his style came from. Bechet's execution was impressive in those days 
and he had more soul than anyone. But during the 30s, people considered his style and broad vibrato old-fashioned. But that was probably because of what Johnny Hodges had done with the style up to that time. It made Bechet's style sound poor in comparison. But still, Bechet was a great influence. End of Johnson's quote. Hodges was always capable of playing soprano in a style similar to Bechet's. But he chose to specialize on the alto from the time he joined Chick Webb's band in the mid-twenties. And there he even played the clarinet. When doing this during the gigs of Chick Webb's band at the Black Bottom Club, he used to put his foot up on the rail in front of the bandstand and played Someday Sweetheart in the low register with a squeak every four bars. Such a pity there is no recording of this particular tune. I can well imagine that Duke Ellington already had an eye on Johnny Hodges when he joined Webb's band. And one day in 1928, Hodges helped out in Duke Ellington's band to replace saxophonist Otto Hardwick, who went through the windshield of a taxi in an accident. In the end, Duke offered him a job in the band, but Hodges wanted to refuse and was putting off the decision until he finally took it, because everybody was talking him into it. But you don't have to think Ellington was stealing from Chick Webb. Hodges was gigging with a guy named Lucky Roberts at that time. It is him we have to feel pity for, letting such a talented musician go. And as you may know, Johnny Hodges stayed in Duke Ellington's band all his life. Except for a brief interlude as a band leader from 1951 to 1955. We have not listened to music for far too long now. And since we've just heard so much about Johnny, we now want to listen to him. Namely, one of his most famous solos from Things Ain't What They Used To Be, of course. This one was recorded in Paris at the Théâtre de l'Ombra in October 1958. <laughs> Thank you. 
was thinking about how to persuade Hodges to get his soprano out once more to play on a portrait of Sidney Bechet in the New Orleans suit, when he learned of Hodges' sudden death on May 11, 1970. In the night, he wrote him an eulogy that began with the words Never the world's most highly animated showman or greatest stage personality, but a tone so beautiful it sometimes brought tears to the eyes. This was Johnny Hodges. This is Johnny Hodges. Because of this great loss, our band will never sound the same. Johnny Hodges! Thank you very much, ladies and gentlemen, for Johnny Hodges. Johnny Hodges wants you to know that he loves you madly. I promised you that we will listen to the version of the song together now, which also contains the lyrics. But finding out what the lyrics are was quite hard, or let's say even impossible, because I found different versions. And nobody could tell me what the lyrics are that have been written by Ted Persons. Who is the lyricist? And even he remains one big mystery to us because the only information I could find about him was that his real name was Simon Schwartz and that he was politically very active as a socialist. And apart from the words for things ain't what they used to be, he also came up with the lyrics for Otto Make That Riff Staccato. And he produced a TV show in the early 50s named Ad Libbers. But apart from that, uh, he didn't leave a musical footprint as far as I know. So let's start with the older song I want to show you. Recorded in January 1944 by Cootie Williams and his orchestra. And I can imagine that the vocalist and also alto saxophone player Eddie Cleanhead Vinson came up with the words he is singing here in the manner of a blues shouter. Goodbye, Mr. Cleanhead. 
ain't what they used to be. This tune was also part of an episode of Film Vaudeville, a series of short movies produced and directed by Ben K. Blake. These movies all were shot in New York and often featured talent that was currently appearing in clubs throughout the city or on network radio. But as the name of the series suggests, the musical content of Film Vaudeville tended more toward variety acts in general, rather than only jazz music. So in this clip there is also featured an appearance of singer Laurel Watson, a tap dance number by the Douglas Brothers, and four Lindy Hop dancers, namely Leon James, Dottie Mae Johnson, Russell Williams and Connie Hill. By the way, please note that vaudeville is spelled V-O-D-V-I-L here, not like the actual word vaudeville. Maybe you want to look it up on the internet. Cootie Williams and his band accompanied the other artists musically throughout the whole movie. But Cleanhead's vocals are for sure a highlight of the short, singing his blues in a most convincing manner. Eddie Vinson was called Cleanhead because he lost all his hair after a failed procedure with which he tried to straighten it. Sounds just like a little anecdote like any other, huh? But if you really think about it, it's in the end again a small individual story of racism towards black people. For decades, black people have been straightening their natural hair in order to have a better standing and better chances at school or when applying for a job and so on in our white-dominated society. And because in this society, natural black hair is mostly considered messy or unkempt or even dirty, black people are still exposing themselves to painful procedures to get their hair straight. In the case of Eddie Vinson, this even ended with him going bald for the rest of his life. No human being on this earth should be forced to do something like this just because he or she wishes to experience a little more equality in everyday life. I hope you feel the same way. And now, guess who's singing the second sung version I'm about to present to you? Yeah, it's Ella Fitzgerald again. I have the feeling that this woman has sung and recorded every swing song on this earth at least once in her lifetime. But in contrast to the way Eddie Vinson integrates the vocals into the song, namely as a solo part in the end of the piece, Ella starts by singing the theme, the melody of the song from the very beginning. And her voice accompanies us through the whole song, whereby her energy increases more and more towards the end. Her qualities as a singer really come into its own. She masters the range of her voice perfectly, just like an instrument, and improvises at the highest level. That's how all her genius reveals itself. Got so weary of being nothing Felt so dreary just doing nothing Didn't care ever getting 
nothing felt so low Now my eyes on the horizon Can see a glow Announcing things ain't what they used to be No use being a doubting Thomas No ignoring that rosy promise Now I know there's a happy story yet to come It's the dawn of the day of glory Millennium I tell you things ain't what they used to be Look at that army Fighting to be free It doesn't bar me Shows me how to go with my my friends thank you for listening so much I would love to hear your comments on this episode you can leave me a feedback on my homepage www.buglecallradio.wordpress.com or write me a message on Instagram at buglecallradio thank you so much for tuning in keep on swinging yours Karin what they 